1: Hi, and welcome to Theology Gals. I am Colleen, and I have Angela here still filling in for Ashley. And tonight we're going to be talking about faith and the internet. We have a lot of things we want to talk about in regards to that. But before we get to that, I just want to say this last week has been very interesting because of our last episode. So I I'm guessing that a lot of our listeners that are listening to this did listen to last week's episode where we talked about the controversial article that men prefer debt-free virgins without tattoos. And we talked about some other things that are geared at Christian women. And, you know, Angela, I think both you and I expected a little bit, bit more, maybe negative pushback from that Mm -hmm, episode, mm -hmm. I really have not seen much. Yeah, only just a little. And I have personally just
0: been so encouraged to see feedback from folks um, who have shared with us, hey, I, I grew up under these teachings and they were crushing and thank you so much for sharing the gospel. And so it's been so encouraging to us to just thank the Lord that we had the opportunity to share the gospel and share some hope with folks.
1: I have heard from from probably a few, maybe three or four women said to me, I was in tears by the end of that episode. And what was interesting, it was from a couple different types of people. A couple of them were, I grew up in that and listening to it, I realized that some of that stuff is still heavy on my heart. Mm -hmm. And then it was so freeing to hear the gospel at the end. Yeah. I also heard from a couple of people who do not grow up in that, but just said that just after that whole episode and then hearing the gospel at the end, that they were just so encouraged and overwhelmed with God's grace and what he has done for them. And really, I can't think of anything, any better feedback than that, really.
0: Absolutely.
1: It has been very encouraging to hear that others were encouraged. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think that we have, what we have seen, a couple of things. I had said on Twitter, and I think this is really important to be aware of. I had said on Twitter don't think that this stuff isn't in our circles like you had said on the episode last week angela you know that maybe some of the husbands are thinking this is just outliner stuff it's not in our circles but it that is not the case i have seen similar type of stuff or even sharing lori alexander positively from two pastors in our circles and they, we did get a little pushback from somebody who's in a confessional reformed church. And so I, I think it's important to know that you can run into maybe not all of that stuff in its entirety, but aspects of it, even in our own circles. And so I think it's a, a good time just to remind everyone how important it is to know the Word of God so that we spot error when it comes along.
0: Right. Right. I think it 's really important too to remember that um, there, there are more uh, there 's more nuance here than just is Lori Alexander right or is she wrong um, it's it 's really about a whole body of teaching it 's about um, a, a lot of underpinning um, theology that 's driving the teaching. And so I think it's really important, um, which is, this is what we tried to do last week, um, is just evaluate holistically what's going on with these ministries. And I, I think it, there is a way that it's not necessarily helpful to just isolate one blog post or even just one, one part of a blog post and say, I mean, this is fine. What's wrong? Why is everyone upset?
1: That, and that's true. I, there was a couple of comments. I think, I think that the only negative comments that I really saw were from people that hadn't really even listened to the episode. Right. And so they saw the title, they made assumptions and there were comments like, well, virginity is important though. And, and I responded to one of them and that is why on our episode we affirm that you know? exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah, we we certainly we confess the third use of the law. We believe that that pursuing holiness is a part of what we do um, as believers, but we believe that our ability to even do that at all comes from being redeemed in the Lord and and is a, an outworking of His
1: grace to us. Right, and you you had a great tweet about that too where you talked about moralism that that this is this is moralism you can have a debt-free virgin without tattoos that does not have Christ right and right exactly so I think that we really did affirm in the episode for anyone that listened that we absolutely believe in in purity that sex is reserved for within marriage Mm-hmm. that we affirm all of those things. But if you did not listen to last week's episode, I would encourage you to do so. Well, I really think that what we're going to talk about tonight in some ways is a good follow-up, even though it's a completely mm-hmm. different subject. And I did want to say we may hit last week's subject again in the future because people have sent in a bunch of things to me saying, have you seen this one? Have you seen this one? So we might have to hit that. And so this, <laughs> Right. A different topic, but I've seen a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks because the Lori Alexander. So things like, is it really proper to mock her, and there, you know, different things like that. And uh, and we we just want to talk about the internet in general and how it how our faith fits into the internet because. While the internet is not the church, I have met brothers and sisters on the internet who are absolutely my brothers and sisters, who I will be spending eternity with, who are in Christ, and and yet the internet is not the church. And so we want to talk about the good and bad of the internet, um, things to remember in our interactions in the internet, and also just protecting ourselves from some things that could be potential dangers, just in, in the things that we are allowing into our minds, and, and then also um, just even some of the dangers in how we behave on the internet. So let's just start, let's start with the good. Um, <laughs> Why don't you? Why don't you tell me some things, Angela, that you think are wonderful things that have come for Christians because of the internet? Well, you know, I
0: I've been thinking about this as we've been getting re- getting ready for this episode, and um, I think that there are some aspects to living in a time as believers when we have the internet that are a great blessing. You know, think think back to the Reformation era when the the bible was just being made available for individual believers to have in their home what an amazing time access to the word of god changed basically forever well we're in a time in the internet age where it's kind of the next level beyond that we have access to amazing level of resources we have of course the word of god but in Every translation you can dream of, you could get it online, including the original languages. And we can access all kinds of church history, lots and lots of exegesis on um, the scriptures, uh, sermons. We can link up with other believers and find others who are like-minded. I think that's a huge blessing. We've seen it um, said many times in the Theology Gals Ladies group where folks will say, you know, I live in a place that's pretty isolated and there's only one or two churches within driving distance of my house at all. And I don't get a choice to go to a reformed church. I go to the church that I have. And so it's a wonderful way to link up with like-minded believers that way. I think that, um, I personally have experienced some amazing relationships, um, making friends with people who are online, and that has been a huge blessing for me. So I think that there is actually a lot of good things about the internet that is really helpful to believers.
1: Yeah, and and those relationships can be true, deep friendships. I have a couple of gals that I met. About three years ago, exactly now, or has it been four years? No, I think it's been three, three years. I'm not even sure. And then a couple of years ago, when our family went on a trip, I got to meet them in real life. I got to visit the church of one of these dear friends. And it was so amazing. And even getting to see these people in real life, these girls that I talk to very often, I felt like I'd known them forever even though we had only a day together.
0: Right. Right. I have definitely spent time talking on the phone with more than one, several different women from our group. And I have spent lots of time um, conversing with friends in chat, ladies from our group, ladies and men that I've met in other reformed groups. And we have great theological discussions and just encourage one another and That was just so helpful to me, especially as I've been learning. Um, That has been very, very helpful to me.
1: I've had so much, so much encouragement from different women. I was reading through some conversations just in our group today and was just so encouraged reading some of the comments from ladies in our group and social media. I know people complain about Facebook and there's jokes about Facebook and my kids say only old people use Facebook. But <laughs> And I know there's much to complain about and we are going to get to some of that. But I think that there is also a lot of good. I know that some people complain about some of the reformed groups because of the attitudes, but I, somebody had said once to me, a non-reformed person, well, every reform person I've met is blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, where did you meet these people? And this person <laughs> said online. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, I was in a group with Calvinists and Arminians and the Arminians were like that too. I think you're going to find people like that in every group. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's first important to kind of set the stage and talk about the internet versus the local church, because I think this is a danger that we face. So we've had girls in our group say, well, we haven't been to church in a year, you know, but we do listen to a lot of online sermons. And mm-hmm. so so we kind of are having church in our living room and I jotted down something Brian Wolf Mueller said on our episode with him has American Christianity failed. And if you haven't listened to the episode, please do it's a great episode. And he said, if you don't have the sacraments, you don't have the church. When you don't have the preached word on a Sunday morning in corporate worship, the singing of hymns and Psalms, the administering of the sacraments and partaking of the sacraments, then it's not church in your living room watching a sermon in front of your computer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's really important for us to think about that Reformed theology of the ministry of word and sacrament. You know, it's amazing. I, I've i been thinking about this all week, and really we've been talking about this for a while there is something about American Christianity, and maybe it's not just American, but in an effort to sort of spiritualize our faith, what we have done is actually despiritualized the ordinary means that the Lord has ordained, and so a big part, a big part of what is essential in the gospel is actually physical. I think that we don't um, really think about that. Jesus is God-made flesh. He ministered bodily. He suffered bodily. He died on a cross. He rose bodily. And the sacraments are physical. We feed on the body and the blood. There is something about our bodies being assembled together that is in and of itself spiritual. So instead of deleting the spiritual significance of that and trading it for something else that we think sounds spiritual, like... I'm at home by myself and I'm the church. We need to recover the understanding that the bodily assembly is itself spiritual and it's spiritually significant. You can't really separate the two, the bodily presence from our spirituality. I don't know if that's making sense or if you have thoughts about that. Instead
1: of seeing the church as central to our Christian piety and practice, it's almost like we do... We do faith on our own, and then we show up on Sunday just to offer what we have to offer. And, and really, it's so important to see that the church is, is very foundational to our, our Christian faith and practice.
0: Exactly, exactly. I think that part of this is what I would call something like hyper-individualism, it's it's very american it's just me and jesus it's just reminding me that uh, my husband was having a conversation with someone on the internet recently and that person made the claim that the conversation the thread was actually about whether or not believers need to go to church and just that phrase right there go to church i've i've even heard a lot of pushback in the last few years um, from people that I know against the phrase go to church. Well, the church is a, isn't a building, it's the people. Okay. You know, it's interesting, the ecclesia, in, that's our word for church the in, in the original languages, it refers to the assembled body. It refers to the, the body of believers assembled together. That has to take place at a place. So, um, I, I think that it is okay to say I'm going to go to church because I'm going to the assembly with, with the rest of the believers. So, um, this, this person that my husband was talking to says, I am the church sitting at home all by myself. If I never leave my house, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I think that really came from understanding that that the church, <laughs> that the church is the people that are are gathering, and that we all grew up with the church. It's the people. I th- I think that idea really came came from that idea and the hyper individualism that you mentioned. Instead of understanding that in Scripture we have so many examples, we don't have people aren't off doing doing Christianity on their own. In right. in in the scriptures they're doing church together. If I mean, that's a horrible way to say doing church because that's kind of <laughs> a modern thing to say. So all of our examples in scripture, for instance, the sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, it's just not a couple people off doing it by themselves. It's in the context of the worship of God. And there is, there is an emphasis on corporate worship on many people together as the church, as the group, and it's and it's actually, even if you think about in terms of the regulative principle of worship, where God has told us how He is to be worshiped. and that mm-hmm. and that is done. I mean, you see it throughout the whole entire New Testament when with Paul's letters to churches, you know, to the church at Ephesus. and it is a body of believers that come together for the corporate worship of God and administering the sacraments and the preached word and so i think we have to go back to scripture and say what what picture does scripture give us and scripture does not give us people just off doing church on their own right it's i
0: i like that you brought it back to the sacraments and the ministry of the word it's it's back to that quote from Brian if you don't have the sacraments you don't have the church and so it's really important for us to to think about our theology of the ministry of word and sacrament this is how Jesus promises to serve us. He promises to be present in those means spiritually. And so they look ordinary. They look like they're, okay, whatever. I, I, can, I can just listen to a sermon online and that's the same. But it's, it's, the reason why it's not the same is because those, those elements taking place in corporate worship are how Jesus serves us. It's not just coming together so that I can offer something to Him. Those are how He serves us and how He nourishes us, reminds us, um, our our baptism reminds us of our baptism, seeing uh, that sacrament, the visible gospel there. And so those are things that we can't do in our home alone um, because those things are corporate there's a corporate aspect to those. So, you know, it doesn't work to go to Starbucks with three folks, everybody get a coffee and say, you know, have a cracker and a sip of your coffee and we just had communion. That right. that, that doesn't work. And I, I love that you brought up the regulative principle because that, that is exactly how we know that that doesn't work and we don't have the church.
1: Right. We, sh- we always need to go back to scripture and say, well, what does God say about how he is to be worshiped. And one thing, and I think we need to do a whole episode on this at some point, but, but we call the preached word and we call the sacraments means of grace. It is the mm-hmm. Lord at work in us. We aren't there to offer something to God um, in the way like, or to experience some emotion as mm-hmm. much as he is at work in us. We are worshiping him because of the work that he has done in us. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it's really helpful to do, think as well
0: that when we worship with the body um, during corporate worship, we're rehearsing for what we're going to do in the new heavens and the new earth, and that's not going to be sitting at home all by yourself.
1: Right. That that's that's a great point. I want to talk about some of some some of my own concerns some things that I've seen, you know, I, I got the internet in 1998. I know some people had it before then, but that's, when, (laughs) you know, we, I'd use it at my in-law's house or my parents' house, but my husband and I got a, got a computer and the internet in 1998. And although let me, let me just say really quick when the internet was like, there was not even much of an internet. And I think I was 13, so 1986. And we had a plug into the wall and we could call in. It was like an online encyclopedia. There was a couple really small things you could do. So I did have (laughs) it back then, but I never really got really into the Internet until 1998. And I've really watched a lot of things. And I was so excited. All the resources that were at my fingertips. And that has only grown in the last 20 years. But I do have some concerns. There was a conversation in our group and... The gals were talking about the preachers that they like to listen to online. And mm-hmm. one of the girls spoke up, and this is something I have thought also, and she said, I'm not sure it's a great idea to spend lots and lots of time listening to other pastors preach. And in, in no way am I saying you shouldn't listen to any sermons. Sometimes sermons can be very helpful if I'm setting the Sabbath and there's a great sermon series or different things like that. But one of, one of my concerns is that we spend more time listening to online pastors than we do our own pastors, that we're more excited to hear the latest sermon by our favorite preacher than we are to go to church on Sunday morning and hear what our pastors have to say. And there was a great article about this, and it talked about how people have favorite pastors, and it's they did some sort of survey. And rarely is it their own pastor. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to link this article in the episode notes, but I wanted to read one little blurb from it because I thought it was very helpful. Within the Christian community, it might be said that the internet, which offers us instant access to a small pool of exceptionally gifted preachers, has produced a general culture of dissatisfaction with preaching. Although few of our local preachers can preach at that superstar level, many of us nonetheless hold them to that unattainable standard. In 2018, it is common for Christians to be enthusiastic about one or two preachers who are almost never their own pastors, rather than about preaching in general. And I do think that this is a big danger if you are listening to this superstar pastor all the time and you're going to your own church, it's very easy to be satisfied. Like, Oh, I don't know. I don't really know if I care for his preaching. And we need to remember, even if our pastor does not preach some superstar sermon, we are there for corporate worship. The Lord is working through the preached word, through the sacraments. That is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And we need to emphasize that with great importance as part of our lives. That is more important to our Christian faith and practice than the superstar sermon that motivates us greatly. That Sunday morning in your small country church with a pastor who probably cannot measure up to your favorite celebrity pastor should be more important.
0: Completely agree. I I think that there is a way that parachurch ministries have really contributed to this possibly. They have a lot of resources to spend on creating a lot of resources for believers. And so, you know, we talked about at the very beginning um, of our episode that that can be very good and helpful, but then the availability of just so much of this, there's, Whatever your style, whatever your fancy, whatever, even whatever theological position you want, you can find resources to support you in that. And I think we have to remember that, okay, we're Reformed. We believe that God is sovereign over all things. And that includes the local church body in which I find myself. And so um, I, I actually think that there are... Many, many amazing ministers of the word who are serving day in and day out, just kind of slogging it out in the trenches with the local body. And they'll never be famous, but they actually are amazing preachers and they are serving the local body in, in a way that is completely different than, than folks who are working a parachurch ministry and just kind of creating content. Uh, a lot. And so I think that we need to think about the fact that, um, especially like we believe in being church members, we've submitted ourselves to that local body, that local group of elders, and um, that that local minister. And I think we need to be thankful for it because it, the Lord tells us that, that that is His gift to the church. Those leaders are a gift to us. And I don't know. I've just been sort of reminded of that personally. We, my husband and I, just moved recently, several months ago, and we are so we're at a new church, and and I am loving the preaching there. I'm loving it. Uh, I actually think my pastor's preaching is fantastic. Um, that's a shout out to Pastor O'Donnell at uh, Westminster Presbyterian. <laughs> but even if it wasn't perfect, even if it wasn't my style. God is sovereign. This is the local body that He has me in, and I am so grateful for that. I hear the gospel every week. I see the gospel uh, proclaimed to me in the sacraments. That is His gift, um, and that is how the Lord serves me.
1: One other concern that I have is that we're more apt to go to the internet than our own pastor, than our own church. And we see it all the time in our group. What happens is someone comes in and says, you know, I need advice, I need help, I need this, I need that. But it's on something that really ought to be something that you go to your own pastor.
0: Right. I, it, that, it's really interesting you say that. That is why we um, actually have posts sometimes that we will, we will say, hey, I'm. I'm glad you've gotten a little bit of advice here. Um, we're going to go on and close comments, and and you really should go seek the pastoral care from from your own church pastor and elders. And so um, we do really believe that that is where folks should be going for for a lot of questions that we have. There, I mean, they can be practical practical, but also theological. Talk to your pastor um, when you have theological questions. That is, I, I that I think that they feedback that I have heard from pastors in real life, they love that.
1: And so uh, that's what they're there for. Right. So whether it's a life practical thing and just the church in general, are you having community with your own church in general? Are you, you know, having people over and getting to know people in your own church? You're just showing up at Sunday to do your thing and then and then going home and the rest of your relationships are online. That's not good either. I do know that we have gals in situations where they're in very small churches. They have had a hard time developing relationships. There's maybe no one their age. And and I can understand that. And sometimes it is helpful to have those online relationships. But we shouldn't ever do it at the expense of in real life and, and those relationships in real life. And also just, just in regards to our pastor and elders, if we have a, a problem that needs a certain type of counsel, then we need to be going to our pastors. If we have the theological question, you know, are you going to Google first? You're going to the Facebook group first, or are you asking your pastor, are you asking him to help you understand something that you're struggling to understand?
0: Right. I think it's, it's, worth saying, you know, so obviously we have a very large Facebook group. Obviously, we're talking on a podcast right now about theological stuff. So I think it's possible we have listeners right now thinking, okay, you're saying go talk to your pastor and don't go to the internet. And how are you saying that? You're saying it over the internet. Um, And so... Just like we said at the beginning, we do think that, um, you know, connection to other believers through the Internet is wonderful and a blessing. And, you know, we know that there are actually lots of folks out there. We we come across them in our group a lot who are starting to study the word on their own and study theology on their own. And they come to convictions that are different than the local church that they're in. and And that's okay. Should those people still submit to their local church? What What do you think about that situation, Colleen? Should they still submit to their local church? How should they approach that when they've come to new convictions?
1: Right. What, one thing we talked about on the How to Find a Church episode is that there, there are appropriate times to say this may not be the church for us anymore. And one of those times, if you are at a charismatic Arminian church and you have become convinced through study of Reformed theology, that might be an appropriate time to say, hmm, we may want to go look for another church. And so, in submission, submitting to the authority in your church does not mean agreeing with them on everything either. Mm-hmm. That's right. 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 Yeah. Um. You know, I... I would say that it
0: would be a great thing to talk to your elders and say, Hey, we have become convinced of some theology that that differs with our church here. And maybe it, we, we come across people in our group who say, Hey, we're going to stay anyway. And, but we just want to let you know, we we've come to some convictions that are different and we're not going to undermine your authority here. Or you can say, Hey, um, we've come to some different theological convictions. And for the sake of peace, we think that it would be fruitful for us to find a body where we um, share the same convictions. And and that's another way to handle that. But this is actually, I, I think it's completely different than going to your elders and saying, you know what, I learned on the internet that we should be exclusive psalmody. And so... Um, I'm very disappointed in you all for not coming to this conviction yet. <laughs> that That's completely different. And that's setting, this is sort of the kind of thing that we're talking about of being led by what we learn on the internet, as opposed to being led by the spiritual authority that's in our life that the Lord has given us directly.
1: You said something that I think would be a good segue about something that I wanted to talk about, and that is the influence of the internet. I've seen posts where there's a discussion, like, let's say about baptism Mm -hmm. and the beginning of the post, the person is a credo Baptist and the end of the post, they go, oh, I think I understand it now. I think I'm a pedo Baptist now. (laughs) Uh, You know what? You should not be changing your full theological position on something from a Facebook post. (laughs) Right. Even if you're coming, I mean, I have had this. Even, even if you're coming my way and <laughs> agreeing, right, me, right, I still, I said to somebody once, I said, "Uh, no, you haven't." <laughs> I said, "I right. want you to agree with me." Yeah, but you and your husband need to go study this. I mean, we studied it for a long time. You don't mm-hmm. even understand covenant theology yet. You can't say right. you just were convinced of of paedo baptism, and so. That that sort of thing really, really concerns me. I'm not going to say what it is, but there's actually a view that I have watched several women become convinced of, and I don't think that they have actually fairly studied it. And wow. there was a situation where a gal said, oh, I think I'm convinced of this because it was like the popular thing to do. And she said, I'm going to go talk to my pastor. And her pastor who is from a, a park denomination, said, no, you aren't convinced of that. <laughs> this is not <laughs> biblical. And yeah. th- that's why I, I, was, I told her, I think you need to go talk to your pastor. I don't think that you, need, you should just decide that this is what you believe because several y- your friends are doing it. And mm-hmm. that, that is something that really, really concerns me. Mm, I completely agree.
0: Um, Yeah, we we want people to be convinced of good theology, but we want them to be convinced by the word of God, not because of, you know, some kind of bandwagony tribalism. We want people to dig deeper. Almost all of these topics that people that are worthy of being convinced of. Are, are much deeper than a simple Facebook post. So we, we love the theological discussion. It's iron sharpening iron. But you've told me so many times that your goal with starting the Theology Gals podcast was to encourage people to study deeper. Your goal was not to give them all of the answers. And so... I I think that's that's kind of how we need to be thinking about um, this tool that we have in the internet.
1: yeah, my goal is not for everybody to agree with me. <laughs> um, it It really is to encourage especially women in the study of god's word and sound doctrine and discernment. And it's really exciting for me when I have a a woman who told me recently, you know, my husband's been into theology for a while, but I always felt it was overwhelming and too much. And I was just overwhelmed by the whole thing. And I joined Theology Gals and I'm now really starting to understand some things. And mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. though they're in a Reformed church, she just hadn't studied a lot on, on her own. And, and, Didn't know enough to have conversations with her husband. And now she is, she's reading a book and saying, Oh, guess what I read today? Let me read you something. And having these great conversations with her husband. And I I love that. And don't, the other thing is married ladies for a second here. Don't be doing this absent your husband. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, you should be talking to him about the things that you're studying and learning, having conversations with your husband.
0: Absolutely. That is something that my husband and I enjoy talking about. We, I think I've said before um, on the podcast, we enjoy sitting outside on our porch in the evenings. And so a lot of times we'll say, oh, did you read anything good today? Did you listen to anything good today? And we'll talk about if we came across something new or um, a reinforcing idea of something that we had been learning. And so that is just a really enjoyable time for us. So I, I do agree. It's great. And what we should be doing as wives is asking our husbands, interacting and learning alongside him.
1: There was uh, several years ago, something that I read online, it was actually in Facebook and I kept in a group that I was in, a lot of people were talking about it. And, and for, for just a second, I I thought, well, maybe there is something to it. And I told my husband and he said, but what about this first? This is why that is not true. And I was like, wow, mm-hmm. my husband is right. And, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm glad that I did discuss that with him. So I want to talk a little bit about our interactions on social media because I hear a lot of times things like, well, I was in a reformed group, but everyone was just arrogant and thought they knew it all and they weren't kind. And, or, you know, there, there's always those yeah. overgeneralizations.
0: Reformed people only care about head knowledge, all of that right. stuff.
1: <laughs> One thing I've thought about this week as I've been thinking about this is that even though Facebook is not the church, even though Facebook is not real life, the things that we as believers are called to in scripture are still true.
0: Right. Right. I, I think too that there is a way that we think about the internet is not real life and Facebook is not real life that I think there's a way that we can sort of turn that on its head and, and realize there's an, there's a, an aspect of it that it is real life. It is real. It, the people on the other end, of what I'm typing on the internet, those are real people. A a real person is going to read my comment, And so just like you said, the word of God is still true. The person that I'm talking to, uh, we're talking about, you know, being in reformed groups or Twitter or whatever, where we're talking to another believer in Christ, that's my brother or my sister. And I, it's something that I teach my kids. You be kind to your brother. You be kind to your sister. That's what we do in our family is we're kind to one another. And I know you have sort of a uh, rubric that you went through with your kids when they were growing up about how to test, what am I about to say? And I think that that is really, really helpful.
1: Yes. One of the things that when you're raising children and this really came about when my kids were teenagers and sometimes they like to tease each other, sometimes even mock each other. And we're going to talk about the definition of mocking in a minute, but they, they do that sort of thing. And so what would happen is I, one of my children is kind of a jokester and he would say something that he was thought was so hilarious to, to his brother. And, you know, he would be like, but it's true, but it's funny. And, and I used to say to him, okay, but is it wise? Is it, is it fruitful? Is it gracious? And this was also when they would like say something to them, like, you know, you're something unkind. You're, you're not very smart about such and such. And, and he would, and that child would say when I'd confront him, he'd go, well, it's true. He's not very, not, you know, and I'd say, Okay, but let's step back for a second. Was it wise to say that? Was it fruitful to say that? Was it gracious to say that? And one of the, the passages, and I think it might be helpful to read this passage, that our our family, I put it on the fridge, I put it everywhere, which is Ephesians 4.29. But I actually want to start mm-hmm. a little bit before Ephesians 4.29 because, it, and I've been reading Ephesians 4 this week. Go read all of Ephesians 4 because I... For the sake of time, I won't read all of it, but let me read some of it, starting with starting with verse 29 and then a little further. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it will give grace to those who hear. Let me stop just there for a second. So within that passage, I do sometimes want to say something online and stop myself because I realize, you know what, that's not very gracious and it's not edifying. Now, gracious doesn't mean that I only say sweet, nice things. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it is actually gracious to correct somebody, but you need to ask yourself, is it going to be edifying for me to say that it's going to be fruitful? or Or am I just getting the last word in so that I win? You know, and Mm -hmm. And let me then move on
0: to like, do we want to win an argument or do we want to win our brother?
1: Right. Like, I just want to get that last burn in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. And And I know I'm chuckling right now because I'm so guilty.
1: Yeah, me too. And this is I here I was teaching my children that and then I started feeling convicted when I was writing things online. And I want to just move just to verse 31 real quick. It says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has forgiven you. In view of that, wow, like that makes me rethink some of the things that I say even in the last 24 hours.
0: Yes, I know. I know. I, even as you and I were talking, uh, preparing some things for um, this episode, I, I know I sent you a message and said, oh, I'm just thinking about (laughs) these things we've been talking about. And I went and deleted that comment that I made. (laughs) Uh, It's just, um, you know, I think that it's so easy to just type things. There's, it's low accountability um, unless we have folks in our lives helping us and, and pointing us to holiness and pulling, pointing us to Christ. You know, I was thinking as you were reading from Ephesians, that little phrase, according to the need of the moment. Yes, um, we, I love we did that. some talking about that. Yeah, I think that this is really helpful in thinking about things like memes. Okay so this question has come up in our group actually more than once I've seen several different threads about it even in just the last several months and the question is you know is joking wrong are memes wrong um is it is it sinful to share memes I've shared lots of things on my wall and they make people angry should I stop all, all a whole just sort of several different versions of this same question is wondering, how does this fit in? Is it okay to joke? Is it okay to have fun with words? And um, so I, I've been thinking about that. So I we're reformed and I think that there's, we know there's a lot of cute little reform memes that go around and we chuckle and it's, it's. I, I think that there are times that um, we share things with one another privately and have a chuckle and move on. Um but there are also times that some of these are maybe disparaging other views and there's quippy little quotes to get shared and I have seen it sometimes said well I was just sharing truth and I think that there are that we can think about is it possibly a stretch to call sharing memes oh, I was just sharing truth in sort of the same way that we would say I was sharing truth about posting a Bible verse, posting scripture. I I think that we can consider, am I going to win my brother by posting something that essentially pokes fun at them? Is that, going back to your rubric, is that going to be fruitful? I think very likely it's possible that it's not going to be fruitful.
1: Right. And I think that there are things that are that are just in good fun. Right. And, and I think that those are okay. And we, we've seen the meme, everybody wants to be reformed until it's time to do reformed things. And it, that could be partially in good fun, but it can also be kind of, yeah, you're not reformed enough like we are and you know it I think maybe in the context in which we're sharing it and the purpose in which we're sharing it is is it fruitful is it going to bring about a conversation okay let's talk about what it means to be reformed what it really means to be reformed mm-hmm. and so is it is it going to be fruitful and okay so obviously sometimes it's just a funny meme and I can't think of a really great example right now and everybody's gonna laugh at it even the person that you're making fun of. I'm in a group Mm -hmm. that just shares a lot of memes and graphics and picks fun. And they even pick fun at each other. And the people that they're, that they are picking fun at laugh too. I used to say to my boys when, when they were younger and one of them would come and cry crying and say, Ian said this. And, and Ian would say, but, but it's funny. And, And I would say, well, does Austin think it's funny or do you you think funny? Oh, well, Austin doesn't think it's funny. I'm like, well, then then you're probably mocking him, which is very very different. And I'm going to read the definition of mocking because I think it's very helpful to this discussion. The definition of mocking is making fun of someone or something in a cruel way. And so, We can do that even if we're acting like it's in good fun. Oh, I'm just Mm -hmm. doing it in good fun. But really, we, we are maybe being cruel.
0: Exactly. I remember when I was growing up, my parents had a rule at our house that you were not allowed to say something mean to someone else and then followed up with, just kidding. You know, so you can't say, your nose is fat. Just kidding. That that doesn't work. <laughs> the the mocking cruelty underlying what's said is understood by the person that it's being said to, and so kind of in a similar fashion, I was thinking of a meme um, as you were talking. You know, we we don't say to our, our Armenian friends, "I hope you don't get a broken arm patting yourself on the back for saving yourself." Ha ha ha! This is they are not going to receive that and think that that's funny. I'm not even sure that it's objectively funny. So we need to think about how is that going to be received? And is there an underlying hostility in what we're saying to the person that we're saying it to?
1: Yeah. What is our purpose in, in saying it? Is it to one up them? Is it like burn got you, you know, is it like that? And, and at the end of the day is that fruitful and please please hear that we are saying that satire, things like satire can be fun. Some yes. of these jokes can be fun. but yes. I do think that we need to I think some of them may go too far
0: right And I think again back to the scripture, the need of the moment um, is is the t- is the time appropriate? Is it going to be received well? Will the person be able to laugh along with me? But yes, I completely agree. We we enjoy humor. We laugh a lot. <laughs> we laugh a lot in our group. We laugh a lot in our private conversations. We understand and enjoy satire. We we are not saying that those things are wrong.
1: Right. And the other thing I think is important to remember too is that the, it is a person at the other end. And mm-hmm. people have said things to me online that really hurt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and I think sometimes maybe we forget that. We'll say things online that we won't say to somebody in real life, and there's a reason for that. So remember, the fruits of the Spirit are we are still to be mindful of. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. This is not just, oh, just in your real life, online anything goes. We still mm-hmm. need to be mindful exactly. The other thing is when we do have a situation of correction, and let's just say somebody and somehow ended up in the Theology Gal's group, and all of a sudden we find out that they're a oneness Pentecostal and deny that that Orthodox view of the Trinity. If if we respond, now we do need to gently correct them. Absolutely. Now, if we say, you know what, you're just a heretic, that's not really fruitful. It's not edifying. Now we can say, you know what, that's a heresy, and l- let us explain to you what Scripture says. Mm-hmm. So there is even the way that we do it, and we we see this stuff online all the time, where people may say things that are true, but the way that they go about it is a big turnoff. Exactly.
0: I have a wonderful quote for what you just said, and guess what? It's a Colleen Sharp quote. <laughs> um, you said in one of our conversations uh, this week, it's not generally fruitful to be obnoxious. Oh, boy, that is fantastic. And it's true. Um, just bashing somebody over the head with, you're a heretic, get in line. That is not generally going to be fruitful.
1: The other thing that we see, and you and I saw this just this last week, is accusations like legalism, antinomianism, feminist. Um, so what happens is we this this is what happened to me this very week is somebody who didn't know me <laughs> at all and decided that I was a feminist and for for no other reason. I'm not even I didn't even quite grasp where it came from and in, and egalitarian too, and so if I'm not as conservative in my view on such and such, then I'm going to charge you with the other extreme view.
0: Exactly. And that is misrepresentation. And um, if we're talking about rhetoric, that's a straw man. That's, you know, sometimes we have fun having these conversations online and we don't have to agree on every bit of minutia, but we need to disagree gracefully. And if you hope to, I mean, If your goal is to convince someone, generally misrepresenting them is probably not also going to be fruitful. And so uh, certainly name-calling is not going to be fruitful. (laughs) Um, So yes, uh, seek to understand the other view of the person that you're speaking with and at least dialogue with the view that they actually hold.
1: Right, I you just reminded me of when when Brian Thomas was on. I wish I had that list in front of me, but he talked about how to disagree, you know, and he said things like, um, "You don't have to say it mean, (laughs) you know, say what you mean, (laughs) but you don't have to say it mean," and (laughs) you know, and things like that are are so important. Just being mindful of how we say things. Now, I am well aware that sometimes the way we intend is not always communicated well. Mm -hmm. So I've had before where I said something and in my head, my tone and the way I was saying it was a certain way and somebody took it a completely different way. And so that can happen. And we understand that even sometimes when you are attempting to be wise and fruitful and gracious, that people may take what you're saying in the wrong way, in the wrong tone, misunderstand it.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think that that actually brings up an important sort of flip side of the coin there is that we need to not be easily offended. Um, We need to give grace to those that we are dialoguing with and assume the best of their intentions, assume that they were not speaking with a weird tone or a rude tone, and sort of avoid tone policing, if you know what I mean. We don't want to always go around and saying, everyone's so mean. People are always mean. Think the best of
1: others. Assume the best of others. And everyone has a bad day and give grace. And I was actually going to say almost what you just said about assuming the best where sometimes... I, it seems like people assume the worst about that person, assume the worst about their view. And I, I had a situation recently where I made a comment and the person completely misunderstood. And I really felt like they assumed the worst about me and what I was saying. And it it was a difficult situation for me. I was kind of hurt by the, by the situation. So and I had to also turn around and try to assume the best of her. Right. Even, even, you know, it's, it's really easy to, I think sometimes us as women in, to want to get them back. They hurt me. So I'm going to hurt them back. Even right. If we don't think about it that way. Well, another th- thing I wanted to discuss is kind of protecting ourselves from becoming critical and cynical. Um, like we talked earlier, before, just even in regards to our own pastors? Is it fruitful for us to listen to other pastors? Are we going to church on Sunday morning looking for where our pastor isn't as great as this other pastor, or looking for where our pastor might get something wrong? Is that the spirit in which we're showing up to church on Sunday morning? Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Is my definition of my pastor got it wrong, just that he differs theologically on Uh, on a fine point from a famous pastor that I enjoy listening to. This is probably not a great definition of my pastor got it wrong.
1: The other thing that can happen is with a lot of discernment type ministries and stuff, we can become where we're like the discernment police. So I'm (laughs) going to go out there. I need to find every single thing that's wrong. And then that becomes what my life is about. Right. So my life becomes about going in different groups and and finding what's wrong or finding articles with bad theology and posting those. And while that can be helpful and great, and there are things in discernment ministries that are very helpful. We had Amy Spreeman on the podcast and talked about her work about the New Apostolic Reformation. So a lot of that's good. But if we spend all of our time just being critical of other people, so sometimes the fruit of that is not great that yeah. comes out of us where exactly. we become very cynical.
0: Yeah. And sometimes what that can produce is a distrust of almost anything that. Sometimes it's even trustworthy stuff. Yes, we certainly need to have our uh, discernment thinking caps on at all times. But I think with online discernment ministries, there's a way in which we need to discern the discernment ministries. Some of them are very, very cynical. Some are also very unkind. I've seen discernment ministries so-called that are out there being run by atheists. We need to consider the, the source and whether the motivation really is to build up the body. And so it's, it's uh, I, I'm you, you mentioned Amy Spreeman and the NAR. I have a, a small internet group that is for um, discernment around the NAR. And one of the things that we talk about in the group sometimes is that when you have been talking about something that's very intense like that, and it's important and you see people being hurt by it, it you can become very involved in that. And to a point where it's an unhealthy obsession, you become a heresy hunter, you see uh, heresy under every rock, um, a demon around every corner. And so we talk frequently in there about spending more time looking at solid truth and studying theology and encouraging people to be plugged into a local body, spend more time with those things than reading discernment stuff. Um, And I I really do think that that's healthy.
1: Yeah, I think think that's a really good point. And one way that we learn to be discerning is studying the Word of God, not just reading all the discernment ministries, but knowing the Word of God. That is how we learn to be discerning first and foremost. And so if we're spending more time just looking for errors and out there trying to discern every other Christian out there and not a lot of time in the word of God. I don't think that that's ultimately fruitful.
0: Exactly. I, I'm sure um, people have probably heard this example before, but you know the way that they train people to be able to recognize counterfeit money is by studying the real money and knowing the characteristics and the marks of the real money. That That is how you are able to spot a fake is by knowing the real. Uh, It's not by studying all the different kinds of fakes that are out there. That's not the exclusive way way to be able to study it, to know a fake. You know a fake by knowing what the real is, and then you can spot it easily.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard that story before too. And I, I think that, I think it's a great analogy. We need to know the word of god the other thing that i the other thing i see that happens online is that we become fans of certain people and i saw something very, some, something that happened recently where there's two women who have platforms and there's some differences between these women there there definitely is but on this one topic they were agreeing And somebody automatically assumed that one of them was right and one of them was wrong, although she hadn't read what both of them had to say. She'd only read one. And I've seen that happen a lot where we automatically assume that our favorite teacher is right and we automatically assume this person that we don't like over here is wrong.
0: Oh, absolutely. And in the example you're using, I think in reality, those two people who are sometimes on the opposite ends were agreeing. <laughs> and so, yeah, we make assumptions based on what sort of theological camp that we think someone is in. And based on that, we can we can erect an idol in some of these famous pastors and theologians and think that whatever this person says whatever this person teaches i know it's solid automatically because it came from that person
1: and you've probably seen this before too well i have listened to such and such teacher for you know 5 years and i can't believe they'd say anything wrong
0: yes yes definitely definitely even when presented with evidence that hey this particular person is is teaching something Dangerous on this one area, and then someone will say oh i've yeah listened to them my since I was a kid they they're I know they would never teach something wrong well <laughs> best to uh take a look and be willing to understand that these people are fallible we're we're all human, and we
1: none of us has perfect theology." Yeah, even theology gals. I <laughs> <laughs> you know it's hard to believe, but. <laughs> you
0: haven't heard us make any errors yet,
1: however. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> One day that could happen. Yeah, now this is another important thing. I saw a quote from an apologist, and I think this is a, a great point to kind of end on, but I saw a quote from an apologist once, and it was an article, and he was talking about how there's a typical argument between some apologists and he kind of described how the conversation goes and it always ends really icky and you know, they're saying mean things about each other and this and that. And he said this and it really hit me. He said, how do we look to the world when we treat one another like this? Mm -hmm. And I've seen conversations like almost like Twitter fights. I saw one recently. There was, A couple Christians, they were not being very gracious to one another. And some non-Christian popped in and said, this is why I left the church. And it really broke my heart. Our interactions online are out there for the world to see. We are still called to be the light of the world. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There should be something different about us as believers. And when we're behaving badly out there for the world to see, I don't think that that is fruitful.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, John 13, 35, by this, all men will know that you are di- my disciples if you love one another. That is pretty clear. We need to be displaying our love for one another, and that's part of our witness.
1: And And please know what we aren't saying is that you can't ever say anything strong. There is times to say something very strong, like when I gave the example of you know, if someone came in and was denying the Trinity, we would very strongly and be mm-hmm. very forceful that the, that is a heresy. And let's talk about what Scripture really says. There are there are times to say hard things. So that's not what we're saying. But sometimes the right. way that we say them, the way we interact, we see examples in Scripture where there's some pretty harsh things being said. and But they're appropriate, almost back to Ephesians 40, 4.29, for the need of the moment. And it's interesting because that says for the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. And if you think about, here's a good way to explain it. If, if my sister is in sin, it's actually gracious for me to go to my sister in love and, and talk to her about it. We talk about love the same way with love. If somebody's in sin, it's loving to go to them. So they're, there's lots of times we're not saying we should just all sit around and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. It's not what we're saying at all, but, but we are saying that, that we should be wise in our interactions, that we should be gracious, that we should be loving. I mean, we I think we downplay how much Scripture talks about love, especially the New Testament, and what that really means. And mm-hmm. love does not mean how the world portrays it. So let's just make that very clear. Peace does not mean how the world portrays it. But the biblical ideas of love and peace, those are still things that are very important. Absolutely. I mean, I-
0: Our God is love, and um, He set His sacrificial love on us before time, and we're imperfect. So how much more can we take what we know about God and His love and be willing to extend that to others when we think that we've been wronged, when we think that they've been harsh, or when we want to be harsh, we just need to think about the grace that has been extended to us and let that flow. Give grace to one another.
1: Yes, we need to be, remi- be reminded that what unites us is that we were all dead in our trespasses and sins and made alive in Christ, that we were all hopeless, and yet Christ came and he lived the perfect life. He obeyed the law perfectly for us. He died on the cross and rose again from the dead. He forgives us. He clothes us in his righteousness. And he calls all of us his children. We are all part of the same family. We are called brothers and sisters. And that's an amazing thing. That is what unites us. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Amen. Well, I think that we will leave it at that because of time. We always never have enough time to get to everything that we would <laughs> like to, but I, I hope that you will be encouraged by this. I am going to put a couple of links and some verses in the episode notes. If you're just kind of thinking about the things we talked about, some verses that we got to, I had some others that we didn't get to. And so I will put all of those in our episode notes. And we do have some great episodes coming up. We are going to be doing an episode on federal vision in Mm -hmm. the next several weeks, which I'm really excited about. That might be a two-part episodes, I guess, because (laughs) there's so much to get to as I'm studying.
0: Uh, Yeah, I'm really excited as well. Reading and studying, it's, it's a very complex topic, so I'm excited
1: yeah, we're hoping we can get the important points, and we got so many great questions from the group. If you have any questions on that topic, feel free to email us at theologygals at gmail.com. And also, if you ever have any topics that you'd like us to cover, email us and say, "Hey, can you hit on this topic?" You know, I'd really like you to talk about this. we We love when when topic ideas come in. So you can find us at all of the social media. We're not very good about our Instagram, but Twitter and Facebook, we usually update Mm -hmm. and we appreciate you joining us and we will see you next week.